Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Hour number two, Friday edition of Light the Tower. Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker, Craig Way out today. Craig is... En route to actually should be going through uh, airport screening right now to get ready to go to Knoxville with the men's basketball team. It's Texas and Tennessee. College game day is going to be there. You can hear that game here on the horn and across the Austin Radio Network. Tomorrow, 4.30 is the pregame, 5 o'clock with the tip. Craig and Eddie with the call from Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville. And, uh, Cam, I do want to get to the text line and get to some other stuff, so let's go ahead and get this audio. Uh, Everybody get your Craig Way fix at the top of the hour. Let's go ahead and get this off the books. Uh, we heard last hour, by the way, this is all podcasted at, uh, at hornfm.com uh, or wherever you get your uh, horn podcast, you can find hour number one there. Uh, and there we heard, heard Rodney Terry talking about his relationship with Rick Barnes. But this is specific to maybe the biggest college basketball matchup of the weekend with Texas and Tennessee. This is Rodney Terry and Craig Way from, Craig Way from last night, if I can talk right today, from last night. Uh, on Longhorn Weekly with Rodney Terry, courtesy of Learfield, live from the Pluckers West Campus location. Uh, here's their conversation and some of RT's thoughts, specifically on the Vols. What What did you do, enjoy most about your time on Coach Barnes' staff at Texas? Coach is one of those guys that was easy to work for. He uh, He's not a big meeting guy. If he had a meeting with you, it was probably you know going to lunch, and that was your meeting that you were going to have. And uh, uh, he was a guy that had great balance, you know, and taught me in the business you know, that, that you also have to have be a, a guy that, you know, spends time with your family as well. You can't let this job consume you and, uh, and overwhelm you. And uh, he was great about that. And uh, he's like family to me. He and I have a relationship. I mean, he's a mentor to myself. And uh, uh, I've been blessed to be able to work with him and, and learn a lot do, from him. Do you, um, do you see much different in his coaching style now in Tennessee than when he was at Texas? No, I think he still has a lot of fire in terms of the way he, he interacts with his players and and, uh, and works with his guys. Uh, the more and more the more and more we watch tape on his team this year, he's still running a lot of things we ran while we were here at Texas. So, and he's called them by the same names. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I think uh, you know I think as, as he's kind of gotten older, I think Coach still has a great fire to work with the guys and continue to get them better. Let me get your thoughts on some of the guys. We talked about the he was an outstanding freshman a year ago, Sakai Ziegler. Now he is, uh, as a sophomore, uh, uh, kind of the quarterback of this team. Well, he's kind of the head of the state of the snake. He's the guy that makes them go, and uh, uh, he's very active uh, on the defensive side of the ball where he's causing a lot of havoc with steals and in transition for them on offense. He's a, he's, a, he's a problem to deal with. He's a problem to deal with in pick and roll. So you've got to kind of pick your poison in terms of how you want to deal with him. But, but he's also shown that he can make shots. He made uh, three threes in the last two ball games. So 
uh, he's definitely a focal point of, of, uh, of having to really deal with him on both ends of the floor. Speaking of guys who can knock down three, Santiago Vescovi is shooting 42% beyond the arc in SEC play. He's a guy we're going to have to try to do a great job of limiting his touches and uh, trying to be there on the catch with him. He's a great shooter, but he's also a really crafty player in terms of really understanding how to play and moves well without the basketball. Uh, another guy is Josiah Jordan James. We saw him last year, and he's averaging 10 points and four boards. James played great here against us last year. He made big shots, and, uh, you know, he's, he was an elite-level, um, you know, high school player coming out, McDonald American. He's a really, really good player. He plays the three position for them, plays the four a little bit for him, but he's a versatile player that, that can get a lot of things done. There you have it again. Thanks to uh, Craig for getting us that audio. It was Longhorn Weekly with Rodney Terry live from the Pluckers West Campus location, courtesy of Learfield. You can also see that on LHN. Uh, big production out there. Cam has been a part of that. Uh, you, know, we, you get Longhorn Weekly with Sark during the season. Uh, Going to be a couple of Vic Schaefer shows also, as uh, I understand from what Craig told me yesterday. That's uh, TBD on the dates, or at least I don't know the dates right now. And uh, something else that keeps coming up to a little bit off topic, uh, the Big 12 schedule release. Apparently it was supposed to be out today. Uh, it's got to be out. February 1st is the drop-dead date. That's, it's got to be out. That's a, it's an NCAA thing. So maybe it comes out today. Maybe it doesn't. I'm, I'm expecting, uh, like we talked about yesterday when Craig was in here, the, uh, the Friday night news dump would be appropriate. So probably, I don't know, like 5.30 this afternoon, Cam, probably look for the Big 12 schedule release to, to drop. I think that, that would be an appropriate time. Uh, we shared our thoughts on the Texas-Tennessee matchup in the first hour. Uh, Cam, how you see this thing going to, uh, tomorrow night? See, I'm looking at Tennessee's schedule. They haven't had a ranked win since they beat Maryland, who I believe is now out of the top 25 after uh, a couple tough tough losses in, in the Big Ten play. They did beat Arizona, or they lost to Arizona by three points. Courtney Ramey's doing a great job out yep. there. Um, the analytics love this team, Jeff. Defensively, they're an incredible team, but I mean, looking at their schedule and, and their wins, uh, I think Texas can handle this team. I think Texas has had a, a tougher schedule. They, they've won tougher games the last months, and looking at the last five games, for Tennessee, I mean, their best win is LSU, who lost to, what, Alabama by 50 points uh, two weeks ago. And then I know they, they lost to Kentucky, too, uh, a few weeks ago. So I'm not sure. They're a great defensive team. It's tough to win every single game you play in college basketball. Uh, Say talked about it today. I'm really excited to watch Marcus Carr and Viscovi go at each other. Uh, Viscovi's an incredible defensive player uh, on the floor. He's going to have his eyes on Marcus Carr. So. Yep. How does Marcus Carr handle that? I mean, last year, remember, it was Courtney Ramey who kind of took over in that game against Tennessee and was mm -hmm. a big reason why they hung on to win that game by one point. So, If I remember right, didn't, Zakai Ziegler didn't get going until late in that game either. Yeah, he he was part of that that big run because they went on a, what, a 15-0 run or something, something like that? that? Yeah, towards the end, uh, came down to the last shot. You want to hear something wild, Cam? I don't know if you've uh, how much you look at Ken Palm or if you really – get into it. Ken Pomeroy, great analytics site for college basketball. Your uh your number one team in the country in adjusted defensive defensive efficiency is Tennessee, coached by Rick Barnes. Mm. Your number one team in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. How about Marquette, coached by Shaka Smart? <laughs> Mar There's no way. Marquette's number one in the country as of this morning in adjusted offensive efficiency. And number eight in Ken Palm as well. Yeah, Marquette's having a hell of a year, man. Shaka's having a great year. Um, 
So, yeah, Texas, by the way, they're, Texas is a borderline top 25 team, and both are 26th in def, uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. That K-State game really hurt at the time. I wonder if that evens out at some point. But Texas, Cam, to your point about their ability to move the ball and, and maybe can give Tennessee some problems, Texas is 12th in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. So this is a really, really good offensive team. And if you think about it, like you, you've gotten, you haven't gotten a whole lot from Dylan Mitchell. Uh, you know, you haven't gotten as much as you thought you were going to get from Tyrese Hunter. So there's still there's still some strides this team can make offensively. Uh, but I think it just goes back to the efficiency of Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen. The efficiency, I think, from those two guys has to be there. And you know, I know I said that earlier this week, and I've said it for the last couple of weeks, you go back to the Iowa State game, like you're not going to win many games. The Illinois, was, the Illinois game was one of these games, too. You're not going to win many games when Timmy Allen or Christian Bishop are your leading scorer. They can be you know, 15-ish point scorers, but you've got to get that 18 to 21 point game from Marcus Carr. You've got to have, uh, it's got to come from, you know, uh, it was Jabari Rice has to give you that 12, those 12 to 15 off the bench that he can give you. Your guards have to be really good, have to be really productive and balance that thing out. And if you can get those three to four guys in double figures, more nights than not, you're you're going to be fine. So uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating matchup and one that I'm looking forward to watching tomorrow when Texas takes on Tennessee. Uh, I want to get to some stuff on the Specs text line. Cam, 337-3776. Uh, one text, this is from last hour, said, hey, guys, maybe the coaching from RT is helping with Carr. I, I, don't, I don't deny that. I do think you can look at the way the team functions and, and what they value and, and how they play under Roddy Terry. It's a little bit different than how they played. Under Chris Beard. Uh, Tyler, I see you on the Specs text line. You'll be at the Royal Rumble tomorrow, uh, as will I. I will not be dressed like Macho Man Randy Savage, but uh, I will be there in attendance. Texas Alpha says, anyone who thinks, going back to our conversation with Mike Roach last hour about Arch Manning, anyone who thinks the Manning family doesn't have athleticism is not old enough to remember Grandpa Archie running for his life on those bad Saints teams. Yeah, that was that was before I was roaming this mortal earth. So, I, uh, yeah, I have no recollection of uh of what Archie Manning was like managing those Saints teams. Yes, Texter, Mike Roach vacation means huge recruiting news while he's out. Every time Mike goes on vacation, something big, or he's getting ready to go on vacation, something big is going to drop. Uh, Texter said when we were talking about phenoms, Cam, this is a little before your time, Jimmy Clausen was mentioned. Jimmy Clausen was I was around for Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen at one time was looked at as uh, as one of those phenom type quarterbacks, those phenom prospects. Jeff, to answer your question yesterday of where Florence is related to area-wise, it's in the middle of nowhere area. Yeah, you're a little bit of super syntax, but you're kind of on the outskirts of that. You're on the outskirts of uh, of the Austin area. I used to look at it in terms of, hey, what newspaper covers Florence? Like, So is the Colleen Daily Herald, get coverage in the Herald, get coverage every now and then in the Statesman. Temple, not really. So that's why I say it's a little bit of Austin, but it's a little bit of a little bit of super syntax. Uh, a lot of responses still from uh, from Bucky. Cam, did you catch the baked potato story? This I morning? did not. All right, you'll have to go back and listen to that on the uh, on the podcast feed. Uh, Ice Cream Main says, uh, I love when somebody speeds around me and we end up at the same light. Usually I'll pull up next to him and clap. Uh, that's talking about what we were talking about, a little inconceivable talk. Uh, I already answered the question about the schedule release, maybe today. Uh, going back to the uh, the, the Horrible Florida man that punched the dog and got 36 months uh, in the clink. Says what? Uh, what does that idiot Florida guy say to the other inmates? Why he's locked for? Oh, I beat up a dog. LOL, idiot. Yeah, play play dumb games, win dumb prizes. Uh, shout out to everybody again in Shadow Creek, my former abode there 
in uh, in Buda. Um, I'm seeing no this this image we got texted is not the uh, the appropriate schedule release, so that's not official from Texas. It looks like it was photoshopped by a six year old, so definitely not. not uh, uh, Sir Gringo, your name has still not been changed on the text line, so I can't say the first part of that. Yeah, Ron Holland and A.J. Johnson on the basketball front, they signed with Texas. Uh, that was before Chris Beard was fired. If something does change with them, they would have to ask out of a national letter of intent. And, you know, typically Texas hasn't had a problem releasing guys from national letters of intent. But I do think if if something changes with those guys, I would think professional options like the G League would probably be – more where those guys would look at. At least that's that's my thinking uh, on where both of those guys uh, would end up. Uh, said Tennessee lost to a possible non-tournament Kentucky team at home, by the way. What do you make of Kentucky? Because I've checked on them, checked in on them a little bit. Uh, you got any thoughts one way, the, one way or the other on Kentucky? Just not good. Uh, Cal's losing it at Kentucky over in Lexington. I, I can't believe Texas fans have – talked themselves into going after Calipari. He hasn't breached the what, the Final Four Elite Eight since 2015. I think so, something like that, yeah. And Texas fans complain about Shaka Smart because <laughs> he couldn't win a game in March, and you're going to hire a guy who's had more talent than Texas has had in the last decade, yet still hasn't gotten out of the second round. And the same argument for Rick Barnes in Tennessee. I love Rick Barnes, great guy, good coach. Tennessee's had... One sweet six sweet sixteen appearance since 2015. He's had I mean, the same issues he had at Texas the last half of his tenure there. Has not been able to get out of the first or second round, and he's had a couple one seeds, a couple top 25, yeah. top 15 teams. Texas, Texas hasn't been to the second weekend of the tournament since 08. Good God! Yeah, think about that. Second, haven't been to the second week of the tournament since 08. You beat the Lopez brothers in Stanford at NRG when NRG was still Reliant Stadium at that point. And then, uh, as I like to put it, that uh, Elite Eight game was one that Derrick Rose and Joey Dorsey turned into a dunk contest in the second half uh, against a really good Memphis team. By the way, that that loss for Texas never never happened because Memphis had to vacate all their wins from that year. It's another Calipari tie uh, tie in right there. Jeff, yeah. did you see Texas? It never happened. Der- you- Derrick Rose didn't play college basketball. What's up? Sorry, a little off topic here. Did you see Texas Tech has a banner for the COVID year? All right, yeah, Red Raider fans, in light of our discussion <laughs> recently about Arkansas catching flack for making College World Series rings, which I don't have a huge problem with, um, yeah, you give yourself a banner. Like, I, there was some debate. Uh, Kansas had this debate, and I don't think they went through with it. Uh, there's a Jayhawk fan or an anti-Jayhawk fan that can correct me on this. But for the COVID year, I think Kansas had contemplated hanging a banner for finishing number one in the AP poll. But it wouldn't say national champion on it. It would just say, like, number one or something. Because that was all anybody had to go on was the last AP poll. Um, Yeah, if you're going to hang an NCAA – by the way, Tech was a bubble team that year. Like, pretty much that first-round game that never happened between Texas and Texas Tech – Everybody assumed going into that game, all right, loser's probably on the wrong side of the bubble. The winner probably gets in. So you're going to hang a banner for something that may or may not have happened. I don't know, man. That's just 
That's wild to me. And somebody in Lubbock should be as that wasn't has it been confirmed, Cam? That wasn't a Photoshop or anything? It looks real. I mean, it looks just like the other banners. It just All says right. 2019-2020 NCAA tournament COVID nineteen. All right. Assuming that's not a Photoshop, right? If that really happened, somebody in the Texas Tech Athletic Department needs to be fired. That's a fireable offense. That's that's almost as bad as when TexasSports.com had a national champions graphic for Texas winning the NIT. Almost as egregious. I mean, at least technically you did win a tournament, but how, how are you hanging a banner for a pandemic? It's a pandemic banner. Yeah. Well, when did ban- didn't banners used to mean something when you would retire numbers? And now it's just like, like Patrick Mahomes having his number retired at Texas Tech over Graham Harrell. Which that completely blows my mind. Yeah, I, the, I like the way uh, the uh, the Longhorn Hall of Honor does it, where you've got to be ten years removed. Yeah, before you can go in, so that way it, it eliminates a backlog. And every year you're going to have a headliner from from one of the major sports is going to be headlining that deal. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, the, the number of retirements and all that. I I like. I like the way Texas does it, and I'm not just saying this because I cover Texas and, and we're the Longhorn Station, but I do like that there's, like to get a number retired, there's got to be a certain criteria. And the criteria, and Chris Del Conte confirmed to me last spring what the criteria is, you have to be a consensus All-American and a National Player of the Year. Which is why, I mean, now the conversation has to start like, okay, does volleyball retire Logan Eggleston's number? Like, it's a legitimate conversation that can happen now. Baseball, I've waited for years for Taylor Youngman to get the the number retirement because he was a consensus All-American. He was a National Player of the Year, won the Dick Hauser Award. So I've been waiting for that one to happen, and it's going to happen this spring, long overdue for Taylor Youngman. At some point, Ivan Melendez is going to get his number retired. I don't know when, but he fits the criteria. But And if you just start, oh, hey, this guy was a good player, like, let's put the number on. No, just... You, you you have to do something extraordinary, be uniquely special, and stand out to get your number retired. I think Logan Eggleston deserves that because of the career she's had at Texas, she was just named uh, the National Player of the Year in volleyball, won a Big 12 championship every single year, at least tied for it when she was here at Texas. But people are just retiring numbers just to retire numbers just because they want to have a social media post. They want to have a ceremony. We got we to, gotta, as collectively, as a society, look back at what – retiring and hanging banners mean because hanging a banner for a COVID year should never exist. Should not happen. No, no. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been totally against Kansas if they wanted to hang a banner, but you had to be real specific about what that banner meant. That you finished it can't say national champion on it. It can't say NCAA champion. It can just say number one in the AP poll or whatever. Associated Press top twenty five number one. And back when when you were number one, you actually won a national championship. That makes sense. Now, rankings don't matter in college basketball. You can be ranked number one for the entire season. I mean, how many times was Texas ranked number one in the Rick Barnes in what lost to Arizona in, in the first weekend? So I think rankings just really don't matter in college basketball when when you get the March. I'm not right, sure how you can honor that. But that's all you got to go on, though, because you, Kansas didn't play a single game in the Big 12 tournament. Yeah. So that's, that's all you got to go on. So I don't know, man. I— yeah, you know, it's kind of like uh, I was guilty of this too, and and it's gotten much worse. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you got your letter jacket in high school, you might put a little fluff on there, like yeah, just like 
for the years you lettered in a sport or whatever, get the patch. Uh, I put, like, playoff patches on mine for football and basketball because those, to me, that meant something. Uh, but, man, you get all – I see all kinds of fluff on letter jackets. Now, that's pretty much what hanging banners has become. It's fluff. Like, you go – you know, I, last summer I went to uh, – when I went to the Carolinas for Craig's wedding, one day my wife and my daughter and I, we went to Durham and Chapel Hill. So I got to go into – went into the Dean Smith Center and uh, went into Cameron Indoor. And you look at what banners Duke and Carolina hang, like, okay, now you're like, this is what legit basketball culture should look like. And there's stuff like – you, you want to get to the point where you're like UCLA, where, hey, you only get to hang a banner if you win the big deal at the end. Oh, we won a conference championship, went to the Final Four. Doesn't matter. Did you win the national championship? Then we're not hanging a banner. So you got to do something really extraordinary to get a banner hung. That tells you where the, the bar for expectations are for programs compared from UCLA to Texas Tech. It's like, it like Texas baseball, right? Like you, all, all Texas baseball does, which, by the way, availability today with David Pierce's baseball season draws closer. I'll be over at the dish later this afternoon. Uh, like with Texas baseball, all you do really to recognize the number of trips to the College World Series is basically you're just changing the number whenever the next one happens. You don't recognize all of them throughout the stadium. You want to get the you want to get your year put up on the wall. You gotta you got a dog pile at the end of the thing. Speaking of Texas baseball, Jeff, you see Brooks Kieschnick Jr. Uh, received a preferred walk-on offer from Texas football yesterday. No, but man, that that you talk about everybody has their first favorite Longhorn, and for some people, it's, it's somebody in football. Or my first favorite Longhorn was Brooks Kieschnick, so that does make me feel a little bit old. But, oh, that's great, man. It's awesome. For, and for football, not for baseball, yeah. for Texas, man. He, he Right tackle at Alamo Heights, actually, a really yeah. good football program. Yeah, yeah, really good program down in the San Antonio area. Um, all right, tell you what we'll do. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got to hit our flex update, and uh, we'll hit uh, our second-hour Longhorn Notebook, look at a little roster management for Steve Sarkeesian. The topic of talented depth came up this week on the Longhorn Blitz podcast. We'll get into that when we come back here on Light the Tower, on the Horn, live, local, and digital, on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. We sell crack to our own out the back of our homes. We smell the musk of the dusk and the crack of the dawn. We go through episodes too, like attack of the clones. What till we break a bag and you hear the crack of the bones? Just to get by, just to get by, just to get by, just to get by. We commute the computer, spirits stay mute while your ego spread rumors. We survive less, turn to consumers. Just to get by, just to get by, just to get by, just to get by. Rolling along, hour number two. 
Light the Tower, Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker, Craig Way out today. Craig is on his way to Knoxville to call that blockbuster showdown at Thompson Bowling Arena tomorrow with Eddie Oren. It's Texas and Tennessee, 4.30 pregame, 5 o'clock with the tip. Uh, that game on ESPN, but you can hear it here on the horn across the Austin Radio Network. All right, Cam, let's go ahead and get into our Flex update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, so yesterday was uh, rankings update day, the last rankings update of the 2023 recruiting cycle at 24-7 Sports and Cam. A lot of guys from our area both made the final top 247. Again, this is our in-house rankings at 24-7 Sports. And quite a few guys from the area that didn't make the cut for the top 247 but still finished as four-star prospects in our in-house rankings. And this is across the country. Uh, the highest-ranked prospect in the area Maynard running back Quentin Joyner coming in at number 89. Cam, I know you got a chance to see him this fall. He's a lot of fun. Him and Cam Cook over at Stony Point, two running backs that are just an absolute blast to watch. And I'm excited to see what Joyner does in Lincoln Raleigh's offense and just as excited to see what Cam Cook does up at Fort Worth. No doubt. Uh, Bravion Rogers from LaGrange. Got to throw the smaller schools a bone coming in at number 118. Braylon James at Stony Point. Cam, another guy that you've had a chance to, to check out recently. Uh, number 125 overall. Mikhail Harrison, pilot out of Temple, giving uh, the uh, the Wildcats a little bit of love. Number 152 overall. Austin Novosad, Dripping Springs, coming in at number 155. Principal Uman Mielin over at Maynard, number 216. And Colton Vosick coming in at number 238. Any thoughts, Cam, one way or the other? What was the uh, the the high school showcase that was played? Was it Florida? Was the under not the under uh, yeah the Under Armour game? Under yeah. Armour games in Florida. Yes. Braylon James was playing. Uh, he was at receiver, and the quarterback was the Oklahoma commit uh, Jackson. Jackson Arnold. James is nasty. He's. Uh, I wish he ended up in, at UT. He's going to have. I think if, if under Tommy Reese at Notre Dame, he's going to be utilized the right way. He was destroying some top five. Five-star mm-hmm. cornerbacks in that entire high school showcase. No doubt. All right, let's go ahead and get to some of the uh, area prospects who didn't quite make the top 247 on the final cut but are still four-star prospects in the 24-7 sports in-house rankings at the end of the cycle. Uh, Ian Reed. Ian Reed was one of the first guys out. Uh, he's still a four-star prospect, though. Uh, the Vandegrift offensive lineman. Uh, Clemson, same thing for Jaden Chapman, the Harker Heights offensive lineman. Both those guys were all flex team guys. Uh, you can go to flex, uh, flexatx, flxatx.com to check out the the all flex team that uh, the staff put together. Uh, Jaden Chapman uh, is now at Texas. He was finished as a four-star prospect. Same for a couple of Westlake kids, TJ Shanahan and Jaden Greathouse both finished uh, as four-star recruits for this cycle. You just brought him up a minute ago. Cam Cameron Cook from Stony Point headed to TCU. Uh, he is a four-star prospect at the end of the 2023 recruiting cycle. And that is going to do it. That's all of the unranked four-star prospects. So quite a nice area representation in terms of the final national rankings at 24-7 Sports. I think it just shows you, man, football in this area continues to grow. The prospects continue to get better. That's why you're seeing Steve Sarkeesian put even more of an emphasis on the Austin area. Make sure Texas can keep those top prospects at home instead of having them go all kinds of other places. All right, it's going to do it for our flex update for this hour. Let's get to this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. 
Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It is a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Erin Bowersock. Bowersockteam.com. She is your home loan expert. Let Erin do for you what she did for Craig and Linda when they made the move to Georgetown. They always talk about what a great job Erin did, how much, how easy they made the home loan process. Get to Bowersockteam.com. Erin Bowersock, she is your home loan expert. A lot of ranking stuff as it relates to the Texas Longhorns you can find at Horns 24-7 right now. You can also get Chip Brown's insider column, that profile piece on Cedric Baxter, part of that running back group at Texas this spring, looking to replace B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Uh, he's going to be part of that mix with Jonathan Brooks. Keelan Robinson will be a part of that. Jaden Blue as well. So get over to Horns 24-7 uh, and check out uh, some of those things that we've got going on over there on the site. One thing that we also have on the site that I love that we keep track of, uh, we've got a running, uh, we're calling it our roster departure tracker and scholarship list, basically keeping tabs on Guys that go into the portal, guys coming into the from the portal, uh, signees, kind of what the depth looks like in terms of scholarship numbers at each position. And I talked about it earlier this week, Cam. Uh, two position groups that Sark mentioned pretty much from the time he got the job, and he wasn't knocking the previous staff, just said publicly, hey, I, I don't like the numbers at these positions. I wish we had more of them. One is wide receiver, and the other uh, is offensive line. And when you look at the wide receiver position with Jonte Cook, and DeAndre Moore enrolling early, and you get A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, you've got 10 scholarship wide receivers on campus this spring. It felt like a position coming out of the 2022 season that was kind of in flux, right? We didn't know what's going to happen to Xavier Worthy. Isaiah Nair's coming off an ACL injury. Jay Wet, we thought, was going to declare for the draft. Brendan Marion was probably going to get a job somewhere else, and eventually he did. Now heading in the spring camp, Jeff, I feel like receiver is a strength now of this Texas team with DeAndre Moore coming in earlier, John Tay Cook, and yep. now A.D. Mitchell, who is that big, bulky receiver on the outside that Texas hasn't really had. And he also has big game experience, too. So I don't know if you agree with me, Jeff, but I feel, it feels like it's now a position of strength where it was a few months ago going into 2023 thinking, oh, man, we're going to need some help here. I don't agree with you from this standpoint. I'll say the same thing. I can say the same thing about wide receiver that I said about interior defensive line at this time a year ago. You can look at the the names on a sheet of paper and say, yeah, that should be a strength. But that group underachieved so much last year that I just can't call it a strength just based on looking at the depth alone. Yeah, I got to see some production. You got to see Xavier Worthy bounce back. Jordan Whittington, I mean, and, and it's not a knock on Brendan Marion, but they're like, well, Jordan Whittington had a great year. Yeah, but how much of that was just him being healthy, just being able to be on the field for 13 games? Uh, and and the, I've said it before, so at the risk of repeating myself, I'll say it again. The A.D. Mitchell edition, the, the thing I love about it the most is now you're not in a all-eggs-in-one-basket plan with Isaiah Nayer like you were last year. You've got two guys that can function the same within your offense. So similar to, to what I talked about with the Tariq Milton edition, even though I think A.D. Mitchell, even if Isaiah Nayer's healthy, is going to give you more than what Tariq Milton gave you this year. Tariq Milton was an insurance policy for Jordan Whittington. Let's be honest, that's, that's what he was. And as one of those deals, hey, if Tariq Milton doesn't give you anything, that's good because that means you probably got a healthy year out of Jordan Whittington. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, again, I think you'll get more out of both of those guys. But if Isaiah Nair suffers a setback at some point, or he's not ready, or the timeline gets messed up, or whatever happens, happens, uh, A.D. Mitchell's going to get a lot of reps and get a chance to learn this offense, especially in the spring while Isaiah Nair's still on the comeback. So I, I like that addition. The offensive line, Cam, 
<clears throat> that's the position group where I think I just hit the cough button at the wrong time, so I coughed right into the mic. I apologize for everybody. I'm I'm trying to do professional radio over here and just completely botching it. So my bad on that. But at any rate, I digress. The offensive line is one of those position groups where, man, there were there have been a lot of springs where I've been around this program where you had to have walk-ons in the two deep to field teams in spring practice. And when you look at the offensive line now, even if you take Cole Hudson and Connor Robertson out of that mix, because those guys are recovering from postseason surgeries, with the group that returns, you've got 10 scholarship offensive linemen. And then in addition to that, you've got those 10 returning plus Connor Stroh plus Peyton Kirkland, Andre Kojo, and Jaden Chapman are already on campus. So you've got 14 healthy scholarship offensive linemen for spring practice, and you've got 16 total with Cole Hudson and Connor Robertson. We'll see what they're able to do. Connor, uh, Cole Hudson coming off of the shoulder surgery. I think Connor Robertson's, I forget if it was a thumb or a wrist, but some hand-related surgery. I forget off the top of my head which one it was. But – You've got enough now to where you can be, you can have a formidable two deep with two lines. The fascinating thing for me, Cam, when I look at this depth chart is, you know, with Cole Hudson and Connor Robertson out, you say, okay, what are you going to do at center? Because you'd like to, at the very least, have a backup center, like a capable backup center to get you through your live portions of practice. But you'd also like somebody around that could push Jake Majors a little bit. I wonder, and I know he, they kind of tinkered with it last year. I wonder how much of DJ Campbell you see at center this spring. At least giving him a look there. You're probably he's probably gonna need to be your number one right guard. I'm not probably he will be your number one right guard when spring ball starts with Cole Hudson out of there. But I do wonder, you know, because if if Nato Meazulu or Malik Ogbo, if one of these other guys is ready, uh, could you say, okay, yeah, we know what DJ can do at right guard. Let's let's get him some work at center. Just because the spring's the kind of time where you can tinker with that. That's what spring ball's all about. So Developing a backup center is paramount. Finding someone who can legitimately push Jake Majors would be a huge bonus for this team to get the best version of Jake Majors you can get. I, I'm not ready to give up on Jake Majors, Cam. I know, like everybody, Longhorn fans love to beat up the center position. I don't know why, but like that's kind of the invoke thing to do. And you could go like through since as long as I've been following the program, right? It, whether it's been Jason Glenn or Dominic Espinosa, Chris Hall, Zach Shackelford, now Jake Majors, everybody loves to dump on the center. Trey uh, Hopkins for, for the offensive lines problems. But now, uh, you know, I'm not ready to give up on Jake Majors. I don't know where you are on Jake Majors, Cam, but man, just from a number standpoint, if Kyle Flood's worth his salt as a talent developer. I really hope this is the – basically it's now or never. If you can't come out of this spring and go into 2023 feeling like you've got eight guys who are legitimately starting caliber players and have one of the top two or three offensive lines in the Big 12, then it's never going to happen if it doesn't happen now, especially with Christian Jones coming back to add, add a veteran presence. When's the last time you felt this good going into an offseason about the Texas offensive line? It's probably going to be over a decade, right? Hmm. Uh, 2013, I did because that was a veteran group. Yeah. Right. You know, Mason Walters, Donald Hawkins, Trey Hopkins, Dom Espinosa. Uh, 
know, Josh Cochran was still a part of that group. You, you'd had some guys that had played a lot of football in that 13 group. I, I felt good about it then, but this good? 06? Has Majors had two or three positional courses? I know he had Herb Hand. It's two. It's two. Hand, and Flood, hand for a year, and then he's, he's been more of a Kyle Flood guy, though, than a Herb Hand guy. He only had Hand for one year, Flood for two. I mean, the Texas defensive line has been playing Tetris the last two, three years because everyone's been learning different positions, having to play out of position, you have different injuries. I mean, Christian Jones finally got to the right tackle spot, which is probably where he should have been the last two years. So I think you, you give the Texas guys, you give Jake Majors and all the guys, you know, an extra spring practice to get ready. I don't know how you can hate on Jake Majors. I mean, sure, he hasn't been great, but neither has the entire Texas offensive line. So it just takes some time to build some chemistry, I would think, Jeff. But going into this the spring practice and the fall practice, Texas fans should feel pretty darn good about the offensive line considering where it was going into last year this time. Yeah, you know, Kyle Flood said something that echoed what Vic Schaefer's told us our last two visits with Coach Schaefer. By the way, hornfm.com, you can get our visit with Coach Schaefer from yesterday. You know, at the Alamo Bowl, and I asked him the question about this was one of those rare years that Texas went through a 13 game season with the same starting five on the offensive line at the same positions from game one to game 13. Hadn't happened a lot uh, in, in a post a post Vince Young world, whether it's injuries or, or whatever. It's just been, you know, a house of cards for that offensive line a lot of years. But the, it helped that group grow, and I think you've got that foundation. But what Kyle Flood said, similar to what Vic Schaefer said, man, y- you get confidence by going out there and having success. You get confidence by executing. You get confidence by earn, like, quality reps on the field, productive reps on the field. So from that standpoint, this group still has some room to go. Uh, they came so far this year. That group improved a lot and exceeded my expectations. But I think that just reinforces how bad it was last year, how bad it was in 2021, that as far as you've come, as much improvement as you made, there's still several more levels that you can get to. But real quick, Cam, before we run out of time, I want to talk about talented depth because I think offensive line is one of those positions where you're starting to get talented depth. And when we talk about talented depth, Rod made the point this week on Longhorn Blitz. When Texas started to get talented depth, when Rod was on campus and when he noticed it, was his senior year and as he was going through those bowl practices leading up to that Cotton Bowl went over LSU uh, when he was getting ready to go into the NFL when his eligibility was expired, he started to notice that in practice you've got NFL-caliber players going up against NFL-caliber players. That's when you start to have talented depth. Uh, you know, on, like on the all 5 national championship team, they're, they're too deep on the defensive line all played in the NFL. Uh, you know, you were so good on that DV. I mean, Aaron Ross didn't start in the secondary on that team. Like that's how that's how good you were. That's how deep you were. Tony Hills, who ended up playing in the NFL, did not start on that offensive line. Because you had two All Americans at tackle, Jonathan Scott and Justin Blaylock. That that's having talented depth. And right now, Cam, if you look at the positions where Texas has proven talented depth, that's why I say I can't say they've got talented depth at receiver because those commodities aren't proven. I can't say they've got talented depth at the offensive line because those commodities aren't proven. Where I think you do have talented depth, I think you've got it with your interior defensive line because Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, Byron Murphy, Vernon Broaden, you're too deep with proven commodities. And then if some of those young guys come along, whether it's a Jeray Bledsoe, who we talked about earlier, with Mike Roach, a Sadir Mitchell, Chris Ross, whoever it is, now you're getting talented depth. You've got talented depth 
on your interior D line. Uh, you, I don't think you've got talented depth yet at, at off ball linebacker. Safety is one of those positions. I don't think you've got talented depth right now at safety. You know, because you've got Jaron Thompson, Jalen Catalan, if healthy, those guys are proven commodities. Keaton Crawford to an extent, but other than that, what really do you have? Corner's one of those positions where I think you're on the verge of having it with Ryan Watts, Terrence Brooks, Austin Jordan. You can throw Jade Barron and Jalen Gilbo in that mix if you want to, even though star is kind of more of a it's more of a safety position, those guys cross train at corner, but you're on the verge of having talented depth at corner. Gavin Holmes on campus this spring, uh Manny Muhammad at South Oak Cliff. You're on the verge of having it, but there are position groups where you've got talent, but the next step for Texas and why this is such a critical spring is that talent now has to become talented depth for you to get to where you want. When you watch Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson to an extent, like those programs, those teams have talented depth. Texas is not quite there yet. So the teams year in and year out that are fighting for CFP spots, they have talented depth. That's where Texas wants to get to. Talented depth helps you get there. All right, take a break, come back, close out this edition and this broadcast week of Light the Tower here on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. Got to get to a couple of things before we get out of here today. Oh, my headphones. There we go. That's good. You didn't have to drop it down, Cam. I just there was something wrong with the headphone jack in here. Uh, Chad and Zay coming up at the top of the hour. They'll uh, have your uh, news, notes, and nuggets, Longhorn talk. Quick, real quick, Cam. Conference championship games. Who are you taking to get to the Super Bowl this weekend? Philly for sure. And man, I I want to see what Mahomes looks like on that first drive. Is he able to be mobile? Because. Bengals D-line is nasty, but the Chiefs D-line is also nasty. I'm going to go with Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl. I'm going Chiefs-Niners uh, for my pick. Say real quick, MJ from Hearn, you want to know about the David Robinson 8990 Hoops rookie? Uh, a raw copy of that goes for about 3 bucks right now. PSA 9s, which is what I got, 25 to 30 So great card, awesome card. Would have liked to have more card talk this week, but it wasn't in the cards. Also, get over to hornfm.com. Texas Swimming, dual meet with NC State today and tomorrow. 5.30 is when it starts tonight. Bevo will be out there to celebrate his birthday. First 250 fans get a limited edition uh, retro uh, hook'em koozie and a Meet Bevo poster. Uh, So that's 5.30 today. Also today, first 150 Texas students that show up get a free honey butter chicken biscuit from Whataburger. So that's something to look forward to, UT students. So, again, 5.30 today, 10 a.m. tomorrow. It's a dual swim meet with Texas and NC State. Make sure you get over to the Jamel Swim Center and support the swim team. As both of them, men's and women's, make pushes for national championships this spring. Cam, great job this week. Thank you, sir. Thank you for everything. Uh, Big thank you to Mike Roach for joining us, as he always does each and every Friday. Again, stay tuned. Chad and Zay coming up next. For Mike Roach, for the absent Craig Way, for Cameron Parker, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back on Monday to light the tower on the horn, live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.